Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, July 21st, making the most of an opportunity. That's the theme on this week's Mini Break podcast as we look at this week's ATP and WTA action. Shocking to say, or perhaps not, if you followed along lately, we've got three ATP events on the calendar, two WTA level events, three challengers as well. Another fantastic week to be a tennis fan, sincerely. With the action we have in Europe, the action we have starting late on the East Coast in Los Cabos this week, you can sincerely watch tennis 24-7 from sunrise to sunset as always. That means it's a good time to be a tennis fan. What I'm going to be doing on today's podcast, and I do apologize for the lack of mini break pod yesterday, is previewing all of this week week's action. We're about halfway through round of 16s across the board. I want to talk about how we got there as well as preview the field at this week's, again, five ATP and WTA events. I'm also going to do a bit of a deep dive on carry. We have the return of American Challenger Tennis back in our lives. Of course, the return of fellow Tennis Channel Podcast Network host Mike Cation on the ones and twos down in carry. Hoping to have him on the podcast either Thursday or Friday. Be on the lookout for that episode on this feed to talk carry specifically, but that event, the perfect nexus of everything we love here at Cracked Rackets. You've got former or current college tennis stars. You've got ascending American talent, ascending next-gen talent, trying to break through. You've got guys who have been on the cusp and may have fallen off for whatever reason. Case in point, Stefan Kozlov, Jack Sock in action. So I want to talk about that at depth, uh, in depth a little bit on today's show and then run through the other challenger action as well. It is a fantastic podcast. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy just me steering the ship today, but I will mention that if you want to hear more about the upcoming events on the ATP and WTA calendar, hop on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. We have had some fantastic guests of late. We had Tennis Channel's David Kane, Tennis.com's, Tennis Magazine's, whatever it may be, extended member of our Tennis Channel family here, David Kane, to talk about the five WTA players to watch this summer. We had Gary Nathan of Racket Magazine, Defector Media, to talk about the five ATP players to watch this summer. We had Jeff Sackman for a little analytics update and some Djokovic talk. We've got Ben Rothenberg on the podcast tomorrow talking Olympics. David Gertler talking the 10 most identifiable Americans right now in tennis. Some fantastic content. So if you're not already, hop on over to that Great Shot podcast feed, like, rate, subscribe, review so you don't miss an episode. Of course, on the Cracked Interviews feed this week, we've got Tennessee men's doubles champions from uh, the 2021 season, Adam Walton and Pat Harper. They talk about their run. They talk about what exactly happened on that match point, if you remember a little bit of drama in their NCAA final against Auburn. Again, another great show I know you listeners will enjoy, so hop on over to the Cracked Interviews feed. You can find all of that contact on our uh, website, CrackedRackets.com. But of course, you came to this podcast today to hear what's going on on the ATP and WTA tours. And before I can let you know, I have to remind you all that the reason we're able to do these podcasts day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course from our friends over at Tennis Point. Go to tennis-point.com right now to update any of your equipment. We're talking rackets, we're talking strings, we're talking shoes, socks, grips, you name it, they've got it all at one stop. It's your one-stop shop for all of your tennis needs. You go there right now, you use our promo code CR15 
15 upon purchase. You will get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. I was considering regaling all of you with another one of my tennis exploits. I was back out on court this week. My body's still broken. That was part of the reason we didn't have a podcast yesterday. Just everything hurt. I've officially hit that age where you play a two out of three set tennis match. There will be pain the next day, uh, I suppose. Inexplicable, unrecoverable pain, uh, at least for a 24-hour period. But of course, I felt good as I was rocking new shoes. And that certainly helped my feet feel a little bit less bad. If you want to update any of your equipment, again, tennis-point.com. We're eternally grateful for their support. The least we can ask you to do, support them as well. Tennis-point.com. By the way, for those curious, I did get the victory yesterday. Still number one in the Indy Tennis League, but tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, I suppose I made the most of my opportunity yesterday. Let's talk now about the players making the most of their opportunities this week on the ATP and WTA Tour. And why is that the theme? Well, of course, the big event looming on the tennis calendar right now, the Olympic Games. So many of the top 30 players in the world choosing to go play that event. Of course, on the men's side, most notably, you've got Novak Djokovic, you've got Daniel Medvedev, Alex Zverev, Stefano Tsitsipas, Andre Rublev, etc., etc. On the women's side, you've got Ashley Barty, you've got Arena Sabalenka, you've got recent slam finalist Karolina Pliskova, you've got Barbara Krejcikova, of course. The most notable return, perhaps, is Naomi Osaka, who's looking to win the gold medal on home soil. Both of those events promising to be exciting, but of course, there were players who elected to defer, elected not to play the Olympic Games, not to travel to Tokyo for whatever reason that may be. It was some young players who perhaps want to go play matches, just get as many matches in as they can right now, don't want to be quarantined and stuck in the Tokyo bubble. And that is not the connotation I mean to say to be stuck in Tokyo because the opportunity to play the Olympics well worth having to go through whatever regulations you have to to manage the COVID situation in Japan. But for some of these players, they want to get out there. They're chasing rankings points, whether it's jumping from top 20 to top 10, whether it's jumping from top 50 to top 30, top 125 to top 100, top 200 to top 100, whatever it may be. There are a lot of jumps available, a lot of events available to be played and given so many of the top ranked players are out in Tokyo preparing for the Olympics there are opportunities to go play 250 level events for guys ranked in that 80 to 150 range that normally wouldn't be on the calendar same by the way I said guys for girl uh, women as well excuse me there are plenty of opportunities to go compete and so who are the players who are going to make the most of those opportunities certainly there are some names you'd circle the next gen players who perhaps aren't the highest ranked player in their country and thus didn't get that Olympic opportunity but you know now will have the opportunity to show their stuff at the ATP level or you know whether it's veterans who opted to defer because they want to build up their ranking heading into that valuable North American home hardcourt stretch. There are a lot of different storylines to monitor, but again, the biggest of them all, who will make the most of their opportunities this week? Will there be some strange, perhaps even some first-time ATP and WTA title winners? I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll see. As the action unfolds, and you know, the place I want to start is with the action in Gestad, as that is the one place where we do have top 30 men on the ATP Tour, all three of the top 30 men in play playing the event in Gestad. You look at the results we've seen thus far, only one of the top four seeds has competed here through the first half of the round of 16. It was number four seed Christian Green, who we saw compete last week, I believe, in Bustad, and unfortunately, for him. Uh, It was an early exit for him as he ended up being knocked out by Federico Coria, the eventual finalist, in a three-set quarterfinal loss. But you look for Christian Garin. He looked very, very comfortable in a 6-3-6 love win today over Mark Pullman's to advance. Oh, excuse me. He is not the only top four seed. We saw one other. I'll get there momentarily. But for Christian Garin, I mean, look, the majority of his success 
has come on clay courts. We've talked about this before in his career. You look at the numbers for Christian Green thus far. Again, he's been very, very good uh, across the board when it comes to clay courts. You look at the success he's had at the ATP level for Green. Uh, all of his ATP titles have come on clay courts. And of course, those titles, you go back to the first one he won in Houston in 2019. Uh, he's actually 5-1 in in his six ATP title matches, all of them again on clay. He won a title earlier this season in Santiago, has also won titles in Rio, Cordoba, and Munich. The question for him, of course, is still, what is he going to be outside of the clay courts? But you look for him overall, 25-17 and 17 in his last 52, 20-11 on clay courts. You want to extend that out over the course of his career at the ATP level. Christian Green, now 58-29 and 29 on clay courts. Courts. You compare that 15 and 27 on hard courts, 5 and 6 on grass courts. So again, he is always going to chase those opportunities to play on clay courts, solidify his rankings. He's currently at number 19 in the ATP rankings via the clay court tennis abstract ELO rankings. He's a top 10 guy. Now he's number 10, but he is a top 10 guy right now. And so again, to see him make that uh, decision to go solidify his ranking, play this clay court event, not a shocker to see. Uh, but for Christian Green, again, he just worked Mark Pullman's. Didn't, Pullman's didn't have a big enough weapon to hurt him with. And, you know, Pullman's would try to mix in the serve and volley, but Green would get that first return low at the feet of Pullman's and hit that second passing shot by him. And, you know, he was hitting with the big first serve, big first forehand combos and just moving Pullman's around the court. He played a really, really good match. He looks so comfortable on the surface. Three in love victory for him. You look at the draw here this week in Gestalt. The number one seed is Denis Shapovalov. Number two seed, Roberto Bautista Agut. Number three seed here, Casper Ruud. Four seed, Christian Green. I mean, there's no reason Green can't win the title this week, particularly now given the fact that in the bottom half of the draw, the number two seed, the highest seed in the tournament Roberto, uh, in this half, Roberto Bautista Agut, has been eliminated as Arthur Rinderneck knocks him out 6-2-6-4. Now, we have talked quite frequently about the former Aggie on this podcast of late. He cracked the top 100 for the first time last week as he made the third ATP-level quarterfinal of his career in Bastad before getting knocked out by Yannick Hanifman. Now, he follows that up once again by making the quarterfinals here in Gestad. And you look for Rinderneck. All four of his ATP-level quarterfinals have come in the last 52 weeks. And you look for him overall now, Rinderneck, 47-28. and 28. Over that last 52-week stretch, he qualifies for Wimbledon, comes through qualities. Now, he ends up losing his first-round match 13-12 in the fifth set to Oscar Ota. I think we can agree for a first Wimbledon main draw experience. That was a victory. He follows off the momentum he earns there by qualifying in Bastad, making the quarterfinals. Doesn't have to play qualifying this week as he now has a top 100 ranking, gets a first-round win over talented young wildcard Dom, former world junior number one Dom Stricker. Follows it up by just serving Roberto Bautista off the court today, 6-2-6-4. You look for Rinderneck. Fights off five of the six break points he faced by winning 79% of his first serve points. It was the biggest weapon on the court. And then, of course, when you're having success on serve, it allows you to take big cuts on the return. And Arthur Rinderneck's forehand is a top 50 level weapon. And of course, for Rinderneck, and I've talked about this prior, 6-4, 6-5, borderline 6-6, great length, good mover for a guy that side, fluid around the court, good off of both wings, can slice the backhand with depth as well. Now, sometimes that backhand does hit short, but his ability to find forehands on the ad side of the court, hit that ball inside in, inside out, move you around the court, and he's a comfortable mover on the clay as well. Not an out standing volleyer, good volleyer who knows where to go, knows what to do. Some of those college doubles instincts clearly have paid off as he's just a well-rounded player. Uh, I I gave you the numbers before for Arthur Rinderneck, his hold percentage 84.6. That would be a top 20 number right now amongst top 50 players. Now his break percentage 21.7. That would be, you know, top 40, top 35-ish, bottom half of the top 50. But when you can serve the way he does, you're going to get a lot of free points. And that allows you to be more aggressive as a returner. And he's got the weapons to execute when he does want to be aggressive as a returner. He can also make that return in play. He can grind a little bit from the baseline. Of course, he's better as an aggressive baseliner, but 
a little bit of Marin Cilic in him, certainly. And again, for Arthur Rindernet, considering he turns 26 years old in two days, pretty good birthday gift to be inside the top 100 firmly on your 26th birthday. He is French, but if he was American, this would be perhaps the first time he's opted off of his parents' health care. And it's like, hey, I'm top 100. Perhaps I can afford my own health care. Now you look for Arthur Rinderneck with his quarterfinal. He's up to number 90 in the live rankings. That's a new career high again for the former All-American out of Texas A&M. He wins one more match in the quarterfinals. He will jump all the way up to number 84, Arthur Rinderneck on the pathway. I mean, let's be honest right now. I know this is a little hot takey and who's having this conversation? Not many people, but Ugo Umber's number one. Outside of that, Gasquet, Monfils, Simone, Songa, Mute, Rinderneck. Like, who's your second best French tennis player right now? Jeremy Chardy belongs in that mix as well. And I suppose Benoit Paire, maybe at Adrian Manorino. Like, I think Arthur Rinderneck's very much in that conversation. I think he should be in the consideration to be on that French Davis Cup team, particularly with his level of late. Again, the results speak for themselves. Uh, Arthur Rinderneck, 47-28. and 28. I already mentioned the fact uh, how successful he's been. I, I went through all the numbers since the start of 2020. He's like 65-35 and 35 over that stretch of time. And to won a bunch of challenger titles, made his first four ATP-level quarterfinals. This win over Rinderneck, his highest-ranked win in his career. And for the record, Arthur Rinderneck, 2-0 now in his career against top 20 opponents. He's beaten RBA and Yannick Sinner. Talk about a guy making the most of his opportunity. Arthur Rinderneck gets to play qualifying in Bastad, makes the quarterfinals there, gets into the main draw of Gustad, ends up making another quarterfinals. Very winnable match against Laszlo Jure. Laszlo's definitely the more comfortable mover on the surface, but Rinderneck's got the biggest weapons on the court. That should be a fun quarterfinal. Arthur Rinderneck upsetting Roberto Bautista. A good 6-2, 6 For the record, you know, again, I, I try to focus on the positives as a Opposed to the negatives, you look for Roberto Bautista Agut, 34 and 22 in his last 52. It was a really quiet round of 16 appearance for him at Wimbledon before he was knocked out in straights by Denis Shapovalov. I thought he had a pretty good clay court season. Round of 16 Monte Carlo, you know, round of 16 Rome. Lost to Laxon in second round Roland Garros, not great, but he was fine. His losses on clay were to Rublev, Isner, Sinner. Rublev again and Laxanen. You throw out the Laxanen loss, the first four losses. They make sense. He's still a top 20 guy, still very much in the mix, but Rinderneck beat him on this day, and that's a credit to Arthur Rinderneck as he advances to the quarterfinals. Your other quarterfinalist thus far in Gestad, you had a win from Hugo Gaston. He knocks off five, fifth seeded Federico Delbonis, six love, six seven, seven six. That was a very fun match, and it did feel like after Delbonis, who was down 6054. Uh, Gaston served for the match, uh, who manages to break back, and it did felt like he kind of broke the down. It might have been 4 3, not 5 4, but Dalbonis gets a late break back in that second set, and it just kind of felt like from there, okay, Dalbonis has found his rhythm here, and it might have been 5 3. And, you know, credit to Gaston, who's just a shot maker. Drop shots. Big down the line, explosive mover. Again, not the biggest guy, but incredible with the racket in his hand into his first ATP quarterfinal uh, of his career. So shout out to Hugo Gaston. And then, as mentioned, Laszlo Dure just manages to outgrind Zizou Berg, 6-2, Now, for the young Belgian, he continues to get better and better. And we've talked about Zizou Bergs on many of our Challenger podcasts over the course of the year. If you haven't checked out those, you can find them, of course, on the Great Shot podcast feed. But the 22 year old now up to number 193 in the live rankings that's a new career high for him 22 years old top 200 that's exactly where you want to be i got this question on twitter so to answer your question betty he will get into grand slam qualifying if he's top 200 there's no ifs ands or buts about it he's got an aggressive game that forehand an absolute weapon but again just you're a little bit too physical in the match and you know, uh, as they got to that third set, was just able to coax the error out of Bergs. But still, Zizou Bergs has been one of the unequivocal stars of this 2022, uh, 2022, excuse me, 2021 season, one of the rising stars as well. Good showing from him here to make the round of 16. Just jury a little too solid. He advances to the quarterfinals. Since this is the first time we're talking about it, just quickly to run through the other results we've seen 
in this event from the first round. You know, nothing too notable. I suppose Benoit Paire got a win. That feels kind of notable. I thought Marc-Andre Hussler was playing a really good match against Feliciano Lopez, but then, just again, I don't know if it was cramps, exactly what it was. He has to retire 5-6 in the third. Lopez advances. Gaston got another good win over Juan Manuel Serendolo. Serendolo just couldn't hurt Gaston. If you give Gaston time to get into his toolbox to bring out the drop shots, the slaps, he's certainly going to hurt you. Thought it was a really nice performance from young Czech uh, rising talent, Vit Capriva, 2-1 over the wild card, Johan Nicholas. You look for Capriva, who made it through qualifying, one of the many talented uh, Czechs. We're going to talk about them when we get to the challenger portion of this podcast, but man, Capriva's game, pretty well-rounded. I'm going to be interested to see him compete tomorrow. Of course, you saw Denis Novak knock out lucky loser Kasper Zuk. Just too much firepower for the young Polish rising player. A 4-4 four four win for Novak. Uh, I already mentioned Renderneck and Pullman's Mikhail Emer, a three-set win over Enzo Kakao to advance to the round of 16. He is now going to face off against Feliciano Lopez that match tomorrow. It's going to be Lopez versus Emer Capriva versus Shapovalov. That's interesting because, again, you look for Vit Capriva, who was written about by my friend Damien Kust on our website, CrackedRackets.com, when he wrote about the many talented young Czechs. Capriva, 24 years old, a little bit older than Shapovalov, but a name I'm sure he's familiar with given their trajectories early in Shapovalov's career. He was at a similar point as Capriva, so that could be a fun one. And then Kasper Rude going to get his tournament started against Denis Novak, telling Greek sports taking on Benoit Pair. Those are your round of 16 matches tomorrow in Gestad. Let's move on now to Umag, your second ATP 250 of the week. I'm not going to take quite as long on this one. I, I, again, want to run through the results we've seen, preview what we've got the rest of the week. But of course, you know, if I break down every tournament from every match, uh, every match from every tournament, this podcast ends up being five hours. I'd do it. I guess, listeners, at Great Shot Pod, do you want me to go the five-hour podcast? I could do it. I could do a five-hour live stream on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. I'll just sit there, me watching the matches all day. The problem is, by suggesting this, please don't tweet at Great Shot Pod that you'd want to because that and Dalton will be like, see, one person wants it, and then I'll end up having to do it. And I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I just don't think you guys want to see me for five hours straight, uh, particularly at some point the bike would get worked in. Uh, you'd be like, is he really just going to pant on a live stream for two consecutive hours? And I'd be like, this is my tennis watching process, folks. You ask what you, uh, you pay for, what, or you get what you pay for. Nevertheless, anyways, we move on to Umag. We're again, we're halfway through the round of 16 thus far at this event. Actually, no top four seeds have fallen thus far. Albert Ramos, Vanola, straight set win over Adjukovic. Uh, Gasquet, straight sets over Gianessi. You also had wins from Zumher, 3-1 and one over Cecinato, Travaglia. 4-3 over Carlos Taberner. You look at the second half of the round of 16 scheduled to be played tomorrow. You've got Radu Elbot taking on Filip Krajinovic. Elbot gets a little re- revenge for last week. He had lost to Holger Rune in a three-set match. This time he knocks off Rune, 1-6-6-3-6-2. You've also got Andre Martin, not the one from Georgia Tech. Different Andre Martin. He's uh, taken on Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz, really impressive. 3-6-6-2-6-2 win over Luca Puyin. Look for both of those players. Andre Martin has been super, super solid on the Challenger Tour of late. You look for him overall over the last 52 weeks for Martin. And again, Andre Martin, not exactly, I mean, I suppose 32 years old, but you look for him of late, 32 and 32 overall, but he's made a couple of quarterfinals, semifinals at the Challenger level. Look, Alcaraz has thrived at the ATP Challenger level of late. He's won four titles in five finals. You look for Alcaraz, 49-17 and 17 overall over his last 52 weeks, but 11-10 and 10 at the ATP level. And so this is certainly an opportunity for him to earn another win, an opportunity for him to make his second career ATP level quarterfinal. And I do think he might be the guy who could win his first ATP title this week because you look 
at the rest of this draw. The number one seed here, Ramos Vinolas. Yeah, the lefty, such a tough out on a clay court. But does he really have the weapons to, you know, really hurt Carlos Alcaraz? Isn't that a match on Carlos Alcaraz's racket? And you just feel like if he can st- stand the test physically, he can knock him off. Of course, first he's got to beat Andre Martin. He's got a long way to go to get there. But you look at the other seeds in this draw, Dusan the Deuce Lajevic. Yeah, he's got the big forehand. That would be interesting to see him and Alcaraz go forehand to forehand. But don't you feel like Alcaraz could make that match physical, potentially win that one? Certainly, Richard Gasquet, you know, the weight of that forehand into the Gasquet backhand, that would be interesting to watch. I'm not, you know what, I'll predict it. Carlos Alcaraz, title town, this is the week that it happens. At a minimum, I see him making his second career ATP quarterfinal. I could see him making a second career semifinal as well, perhaps getting knocked off in a physical match with Ramos Vinoles. And by the way, Philip Krajinovic, who's the number three seed in his section of the draw coming off of a final last week, that's a very dangerous player as well. But this feels like a moment for Carlos Alcaraz where it's the right sort of draw, the right sort of week, the right sort of conditions in Umag. Again, I've mentioned the numbers for Alcaraz, who's all the way up to number 73 in the ATP rankings. Worth noting, he's still just 18 years old, the youngest player right now inside the top 100. Alcaraz is a stud, and studs win titles when they're very, very young. We haven't seen that big run yet for Alcaraz, but that's probably more a lack of opportunity than anything else. He has that this week. Going to be interesting to see him compete against Andre Martin tomorrow. And then, of course, you look at the other round of 16 matches on the schedule. Jean-Luc Magier, your number eight seed, taking on Daniel Altmaier. Bernabe Zapata Morales taking on the Deuce. Dusan Lajevic, that's your action going on in Umag. With that in mind, let's move on now to Los Cabos, which, by the way, very, very fun draw this week. And this is the nightcap, right? If you're 8 p.m., 9 p.m. here on the East Coast, what am I going to do as I prepare? I suppose for me, it's prepare the night session of podcasting or, you know, get ready to go to bed. Do whatever it is you do at night. Well, the good news is you can wind down with some tennis and you look for those Cabos. They're a little bit behind everyone else. They're through the round of 32. All of those round of 32 matches played. You did have two top eight seeds being knocked out. Alex Bolt riding that momentum. He won a challenger during the grass court season, played well throughout. He knocks off seven seed Andreas Seppi, 0662263. Ernesto Escobedo, qualifier, hard-hitting young American who, of course, had cracked the top 100. When was that? Back in 2017. 2018 has dealt with injuries, struggles with form. Gets a really nice win, three and four, over Mackie McDonald to advance to the round of 16. You look at the other results we've seen thus far. You're top eight seeds that have advanced. Jordan Thompson, four and five over Ivo Karlovich. Ivo Karlovich, just three tournaments left until he uh, ends up uh, sailing off into retirement. Let's make the most of Dr. Ivo. We'll do a full podcast segment on Ivo as we get closer, but just a note, don't miss out on Dr. Ivo. There are, I know there are a few seven-footers in tennis, but they're few and far between, and Ivo was the guy for a while. He's ready to hand the baton off to Riley, but you know, again, He's meant a lot to everyone knows Dr. Evo if you've been a tennis fan for a while. And so Thompson knocks him off in straight. Stevie Johnson, straight set win uh, as well to advance to the round of 16. You look at some of the drama we saw unfold elsewhere. If it's a Tennessee Kokonakis match, you know it's going three, four hours. You know it's going late into the night. That's precisely what happens. But it's Dennis Kudla who ultimately advances into 4 6 7 6 7 6 win over Kokonakis. You look for Dennis Kudla now, by the way, who, of course, had a big run making that third round of uh, Wimbledon. Now up to number 102 in the live rankings. One more win, folks. One more win. He'll be back inside the top 100, get up to number 99 in the rankings. Now, Mikhail Yimmer, uh, Emer, excuse me, I believe, is going to stay in front of him, so he might end up around number 100. But top 100, very much in play for Dennis Kudla this summer, and again, Western Southern Open, uh, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's the U.S. Open, all of these events, certainly opportunities for him. If he can get just one main draw win at every tournament he plays this summer, just one, and that's a lot to ask because he'll be either a lower seed or have to go through qualifying and match up with some top seeds, but if he can just get one win, I don't even think it needs to be at all of them. If he can get one win at 
two of the four, three of the five ATP events he plays this summer, he's going to find himself in the top 100 at the end of this year. And if you go back and listen to a podcast I did at the start of the season with Judson Oh, Judson Wall, our friend, of course, uh, Tennis in Aloha on Tennis Twitter. You will hear me make the prediction that Dennis Kudla ends up back in the top 100, 28 years old, starting to look like a guy who should be in the prime of his career. Obviously, great grass court season, has confidence on his side, is using that confidence here. Big three-set win, breaks go his way against Kokonakis. Kokonakis... He's a top 100 guy by talent. It's a matter of health for him and just playing enough. And you look for Kokonakis, who has been able to play a bunch of matches and has had success on the challenger level of late. He's back up to number 181 inside the top 200. A guy who's looking to play more ATP level events and, you know, show what he can do. It feels like whenever he's in a main draw, he ends up winning a first round match and then playing a five setter, either with a seed or beating a seed in that first round match, whatever it may be. But, you know, keep in mind, Kokonakis has been in our lives for a while. He's still only 25 years old. So uh, this was a really fun match. Uh, and again, uh, it's it's one of those nightcap matches that it, it's a reason to stay up and watch some Los Cabos action late at night. We also had the return of the mullet, J.J. Wolf, three set. Uh, he ends up losing to Brandon Nakashima. You look for Nakashima of late in that, you know, I did a match of the day on him recently uh, for our Crack Rackets Patreon followers. But you look for Brandon Nakashima over his last 52 weeks, 34 and 23, 60% win percentage, which doesn't jump off the page, but then you realize the route he's been going. He's played a ton of ATP level qualifying, and he's played a ton of different surfaces, just trying to get that experience, trying to get repetitions under his belt. He's had success, uh, a bunch of success doing so. He obviously won some challengers early, uh, won a challenger earlier this season indoors in France. He won a challenger at the end of last year, outdoors in Orlando. He also made quarterfinals uh, at, a cha- at a challenger in Belgrade this year on clay. He made round of 16 at the first Nottingham challenger, ends up qualifying for Wimbledon before losing in four sets to Taylor Fritz. You know, again, I think it's been a step in the right direction for him. He plays a full clay court season, and you look for him in his career. Brandon Nakashima overall, uh, you know, has still played fewer uh, than, I believe, 50 clay court matches in his career. And in fact, he's 8-11 and 11 overall on clay court. So not fewer than 50, fewer than 20 folks. Um, and you look for him, you know, he has played now almost 100 hard court matches, 63 and 29. We know his game works on hard courts. And Obviously, he is well positioned at number 134 in the rankings to either A, and, you know, still 19 turning 20 years old, either A, get some wild cards into the big events, B, perhaps get into qualifying into the 250s. Certainly, he can get into challenger level events now whenever he wants with his world ranking of number 134, but you love to see Nakashima take this path. He's proven himself at the challenger level. He's won a couple of challengers titles now. He's made countless quarterfinals. It's how do I compete against top 100 players? You're not going to know unless you play ATP level qualifying. He's done that. He's played ATP level events, gets a win over another guy competing for a top 100 spot in JJ Wolf. And it's a credit to Wolf, by the way, coming back from injury, going three sets here against Nakashima. I think we're going to see a big summer from JJ Wolf, but a great win from Nakashima. He's got a fun one now against Sam Query. He's favored against Query. How crazy is that? You know, again, Feels like Nakashima is still pretty unproven at the ATP level. You look for him in terms of just total tour-level matches he's played, regardless of surface in his career. Uh, Brandon Nakashima has still only played, I believe, this is his fifth now, ATP-level event. You look overall in his career. He's 4-4 uh, and four in his previous eight ATP matches and yet he's favored over Sam Cleary. You gotta love it, folks. Got to love it. Nevertheless, that should be a really fun match tonight in Los Cabos. And you look across the board, Cam Norris got a good shot to win his first ATP title. Certainly the guy who enters Los Cabos in the best form. He's your number one seed. He's taking on Elias Emer. You've got some fun American matchups. Dennis Kudla taking on Ernesto Escobedo. Fritz taking on YouTube superstar Ilya Marchenko. Yes, uh, Sutaka Uchiyama taking on Steve Jones. 
Johnson. You've also got Nakashima Query. Uh, you've got Isner taking on Donskoy. You've got former USC standout Emilio Gomez taking on Alex Bolt and then Sebastian Ofner taking on Jordan Thompson. That's your ATP action for the week. Again, we've got three different events. Gastad, Umag, Los Cabos should be able to deliver the goods for any of us looking to get our ATP fix as we prepare for the 2021 Olympics to begin. But speaking of delivering the goods, have you guys heard of our friends over at Manscaped? You certainly have, right? And look, it's not something you talk about every day with your friends. Maybe if you're vile like me, you'll throw it in the conversation mix once every two, three, four months. But this isn't something you talk about frequently because everyone's like, uh, do I really want to talk about my below-the-waist grooming needs? Should I be asking for advice? Should I be asking for help? Am I doing this right? Well, the answer is in all aspects of life, you should never feel uncomfortable talking about any topic. You should feel comfortable seeking advice, making sure everything you're doing is right, particularly with something as sensitive as below the waist grooming and I'll tell you this right now if you haven't been using the lawnmower 4.0 you haven't been doing things right you haven't experienced manscaped who are the best in the business in men's below the waist grooming and look their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, it truly is the best in the business. You can join over the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their below the waist grooming needs right now by using our promo code, NEWBALLSPLEASE, at their website, manscaped.com. If you do, you'll get 20% off and free worldwide shipping on all of their products. Again, that's NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com, 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The next time the conversation comes up with your friends, a, the next time tennis comes up, you're going to be much more well-informed than them because you're listening to this podcast. But B, should the manscaping conversation emerge? Should they be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, we're, we're done with quarantine, right? We're going out. You're all groomed. You're ready to go. You can say, I've got myself the lawnmower 4.0. You can get it as well if you go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code NEWBALLS, please. You'll hook my friends up at Cracked Rackets. So again, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLS, please, at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please. With that said, let's switch gears now. Talk about the WTA action. We've got two events going on in Palermo and in Poland. And you look right now on the WTA tour at this week's events. We do not have a single top 30 player in any of the draws. We've only got one top 50 player, in fact, playing at either of this week's two events. It's Danielle Collins, the number one seed this week in Palermo, which is where we start our WTA discussion. You look for Collins' first round win for her over Katarina Gerlach, 7-5-6-3. Collins was a semifinalist at last week's event. Electing to play this week again, electing to build her ranking, solidify her spot inside the top 50 so that she can make the most of the summer hard court. Of course, hard courts are always going to be a good surface for her. Uh, you know, inside the top 50, you don't have to play qualifying for the 1,000 level events. You get into the main draw pretty directly at a Cincinnati, at a Rogers Cup. And so you can understand her decision to go play play these events, and certainly she's the favorite this week, as she now will match up with Madison Inglis. You look across the board here, uh, Ludmilla Samsonova, your number two seed, already eliminated by Chinwen Zhang of China. She then subsequently eliminated, by the way, by Jacqueline Christian of Romania. Romania uh, she is going to take on Ocean Doden, your number six seed, who has advanced to the quarterfinals in two straight set victories. Your number two and three seeds, though, already knocked off Samsonova in the first round. Teichman retiring after her, or withdrawing, I should say, from her second round match after a physical three-setter for her. In her first, that means Elena Gabriela Russa, WTA title winner from two weeks ago, advances to the quarterfinals where she is going to take on Italian wildcard Lucia Bronzetti. You look at tomorrow's round of 16 matches. You've got Olga Danilovic, who knocked off Camilla Rakimova, your number eight seed in three sets. She's going to take on Katarina Zavatska, former Ohio State 
eight standout Francesca Di Lorenzo taking on Shui Zhang. You've also got seventh seed Astra Sharma uh, taking on Natalia Vikalyanseva uh, in that round of 16 match. The winner playing the winner of Collins and Inglis. Again, I apologize. I don't have more for you on the action thus far in Palermo. The players I would circle to watch, obviously, Danielle Collins is one to look for. Elena Rusa, not seated, but a qualifier here this week, recently coming off of a WTA title run. There's absolutely no reason she can't make the most of another opportunity there. That phrase is again. Uh, so it'll be interesting, again, to see all of these players competing this week in Palermo. You look at the other WTA event we've got this week happening in Poland. A bunch of seeds ultimately ended up pulling out of this one. You look, uh, the number one seed was Yulia Putin-Seva, but as she won a title last week, she elected not to play this event. Ditto with number two seed Tamara Zdanzik, who ends up pulling out of this event as well. And Helena Kalanina was your number eight seed. She ends up pulling out of the event after she made a final last week as well. So a bunch of lucky losers placed throughout the draw here. It is going to be chaos this week. At the BNP Paribas Poland Open, you look up and down the draw. I suppose Maria Parizas Diaz, who's now your number nine seed, she won a title a couple weeks ago alongside of Elena Gabriela Russa. She advances in a three-set first-round win. Tricky one over Magdalena Freak. She is one of your favorite. Certainly Alexandra Sasnovich going to be a favorite as well. She escaped with a three-set win. In her first-round match, you had Irina Camilla Bagu straight set win over Yasmin, uh, uh, Yasmin, excuse me, Bonaventure. You also had, let's see at the seeds who have advanced. We had Bagu, Parizas Diaz, Sasnovich, and Arena Barra, your number 10 seed. So you have four seeds remaining. Two of them are the nine and 10 seeds. Normally you have top eight seeds. You've got the three, six, nine, and 10 left. That's it in this draw. Absolute chaos up and down the board. Certainly, I would keep an eye on someone like Victoria Kuzmova, three-set winner in her first-round match over, uh, over excuse me, uh, Varvera Gracheva. So that could be, uh, you know, that I think that's a name to watch, but this is chaos. I, I don't have much. I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm rambling here. I wish I had a definitive Poland Open take for you all. I don't yet. I mean, Parisa's Diaz, sure. Why not? Because she's won the most recent title. Or Kuzmova. Kind of like Kuzmova. We'll see as the action unfolds. But that's where you're at on the WTA Tour this week. Now, as promised, I do want to take a little bit of time to talk about the action we've seen the unfold thus far in carry. And actually, while I was recording this podcast, I got a confirmation message from Mike Cation that he is in to podcast this week. So we will talk about carry specifically with him on an episode in the near future. But you look up and down the board, I mean, where to freaking begin? The Sam Riffis push is real. Riffis coming back down, fights off a match point, was down 5-4 add in in the third set before coming back 6-7-6-4-7-5 win over Tatsuma Ito. You look at him now, semifinals at the Orlando Challenger. Round of 16 here in Kerry has a very winnable match. I know it's against the number two seed in Pranesh uh, Gunaswaran, but uh, does he play Gunaswaran? I think he does play Gunaswaran. I think it's Gunaswaran that he's got next, and I, I just feel like that's a match Again, yes, Gunaswaran going to make things physical, but I just think uh, you look for Sam Riffis, the way he's able to adjust so well to the pace you throw at him. Yeah, he does have Gunaswaran next, who was able to advance over Ty Kwiatkowski, who's a little bit banged up with a wrist injury, has to withdraw in set number two. I just, again, how well-rounded the game is of of Sam Riffis' ability to go defense to offense, his ability to move forward, put the ball, take the ball off of your rack and just throw so many different looks at you, keep you uncomfortable the biggest enemy to the Florida Gators is Sam uh, the biggest enemy to Sam Riffis returning to college is Sam Riffis because he's good enough to have success at the pro level and if you get to a top 200 a top 150 ranking this summer again as much as he loves Gainesville as much as he loves being a Florida Gator there comes a point where the results just dictate yeah it's probably time and I think his game is awfully close I don't know if it's quite there yet I do think there's still room for Sam to get better physically and just the choices he makes and just the pace the the serve obviously the serves got to be an easy weapon for if you want to be a top 100 player and the plus one weapon yeah Sam can do a lot of things really really well but what's that one elite skill tough to say right now and developing that one elite skill tailor-made for the competition he has in Gainesville but like you know again he makes another semifinal at a challenger here he wins around at the U.S. Open 
those are just signs. Those those are the benchmarks. If you're playing the game at home, what is it going to take to see if Sam Riffis turns pro? That's what it's going to take. So it'll be the results-driven, rankings-driven more than anything else because, of course, his game is already super, super exceptional. But you look for him. He got a win. Big win for Jack Sock. Three sets over Ulysses Blanche. Blanche. I mean, that was just power tennis. Power tennis. Power tennis. None. Of, I don't think we, we had maybe two rallies over 10 balls. And so that match looked exactly as you expected it. Shout out to Govananda into the quarterfinals now with uh, first challenger quarterfinals with wins over Roberto Quiroz and Braden Schnur. Now, Nanda, of course, out of UCLA to get a win over a Trojan and Quiroz to get a win over a Tar Heel and Schnur. That's got to feel good, but... I mean, Schnur didn't play great today in the round of 16, but Nanda just survives. He hangs around. Again, physically, pretty solid off of both wings. Moves the forehand around the court really well. Doesn't overwhelm you with any weapon, but doesn't beat himself on a hot summer day like the one they had in Kerry. That's a tough out, and so really nice win for him. I'm not getting too excited about it. Don't worry. But I did look it up on Tennis Abstract. Stefan Kozlov, 23-14. and 14. In his last 52, he's had some success at the 15K, 25K level, building back his confidence, has qualified for a bunch of different challenger events, comes through qualities in Orlando, comes through qualities at the main draw in Acapulco, ATP level, comes through qualities in Little Rock, comes through qualities in Orlando, now earns two main draw victories here over Donald Young and Max Cressy to advance to the quarterfinals. You look for Stefanos, uh, uh, for Stefanos, excuse me, for Stefan Kozlov, who of course was the best. 15-year-old in the world at one point, and, you know, if you go back and listen to some of my takes from 2017, and if you heard any of my conversations prior to 2017 about uh, tennis, you know I was on the Kozlov bandwagon, but when was the last time he made a challenger quarterfinal? You look for uh, Stefanos, uh, Stefanos, I did it again, for Stefan Kozlov. The last time he made a challenger quarterfinal prior to this week was in Ann Arbor, 2020. Prior to that, he did it twice in all of 2019, did it twice in all of 2018. You look for Kozlov, you know, again, 22 and 18 in 2019, 13 and 13 overall in 2020. And injuries have been a part of the story as well. There's no denying that. But it's good to see him playing good tennis again. And again, just his returns, uh, his ability to absorb, redirect pace. It was all on display against Cressy. And a Stefan Kozlov match is never pretty. But there's a beauty in the muck it up style of tennis that he plays. He just, again, puts enough balls in play, gets, you know, able to hold serve. Injury timeout before he holds at the end of the third set. Gotta love a little gamesmanship there. 6 4, though, he advances over Cressy. First quarterfinal for him at the challenger level. Again, since Ann Arbor of 2020. You look, by the way, Another guy who's already booked his spot in the quarterfinal, Christian Harrison, who's sneaky good, 30-12 and 12 in his last 52 weeks. He's won 71% of his matches. You look for Christian Harrison over that time. Obviously, there was the big run for him uh, in Delray Beach earlier this season. You look for him as well. He made uh, the finals of a 25K in Naples. He made semifinals of that Orlando Challenger in April as well. You look for him now. I mentioned again that Delray Beach run was to the semifinals before he ended up getting knocked out by Hubie Hercots and you don't get another 25K semifinal he's made as well. He's just finally healthy. And as such, he's inside the top 300 up to number 284 with his semifinal this week, Christian Harrison, uh, currently up to number 277. Again, his career high inside the top 200, but for a guy who's dealt with so many injuries, it's hard to not feel good about him. You can just tell physically he's finally locked in once again. He is your third quarterfinalist, fourth uh, round of 16 match, final quarterfinal spot. Jack Sock, Chris Eubanks competing right now as I'm recording uh, this podcast. But of course, uh, that match, you can go to findlivestream.com backslash ATP where you can find all of the action. And thus far elsewhere, you know, you look at tomorrow's round of 16 matches. Should be a fun day. You've got Riffis versus Gunnar and You've got Alexi Galarno, fresh off of a fantastic career, all-American career at NC State, friend of the pro. Program, taking on Ramkumar Ramanathan. You've also got matches between Mitchell Kruger and Aiden McHugh. And by the way, Kruger today, fantastic 
comeback victory 7-6 in the third was down an early mini break but ends up converting uh gets over the hump executes and hits a couple of gutsy forehands which if you know Mitchell Kruger that's always a tough thing for him but a couple gutsy forehand approaches to the Will Blumberg backhand to knock off Blumberg 7-6 in the third Blumberg still looking for that first pro tour victory uh pro victory in singles or first victory on the pro tour since turning pro uh, but you look tomorrow again, it's Kruger versus McHugh. Roberto Sid taking on uh, Gennaro Olivieri as the number one seed in this event. Jensen Brooksby pulls out as he made the, the finals of Newport last week. You can understand why. He feels the need to get a little bit of rest. But again, we're going to be talking carry challenger with Mike Cation later this week. So be on the lookout for that. And again, livestream.com slash ATP. You don't want to miss out on one of the rare American challenger events on the ATP calendar. You look elsewhere, though, Rest assured, we've got good challenger action happening elsewhere in the world. Let's start with the action going on this week. Uh, I believe it is in uh, Spain. I didn't want to say Puzzle Blanco and be wrong that it's in Spain, but it is in Spain. You look right now, number one seed Ben Bonzi there. Your number two seed Gregoire Bure, both still alive. Number three seed L2 Chelik Belik has also advanced to the four, uh, quarterfinals. Four seed Chema Ilkel still alive in the tournament. So all of your top four seeds still alive there. You look for the dangerous youngsters in the draw, as we always do here at Crack Rackets. You know where Tim Van Richeven fans. He's not the youngest guy anymore, but the big serving uh, player, uh, first round winner. He's got a fun one tomorrow against Igor Sizzling. Emilio Nava, hard hitting young American, first round upset victory as he qualified in this event over Yannick Maiden. He's now got Matteo Viola. That feels like a winnable one. And then, you know, again, I, I think this is just a bunch of well-rounded players that have action in Spain going on on the hard courts this week. So be on the lookout for that. You've also got a very fun challenger happening this week. Uh, over in, I believe, Finland. You look at uh, the draw there. Number one seed, Botik van de Senskulp, still alive. Three-set win for him in his first match. Straight set win to advance to the quarterfinals over Kristen. He's now got Dimitri Popko. The number five seeds earned two straight set wins as well. No number two seed in this event. He ends up pulling out of the event before it starts, but you've got Blanco taking on Shakay in the bottom quarterfinal there. Still alive in the draw. Nicolas Yari unseated, but of course trying to work his way back into the top 100 uh, following suspension. The big serving Chilean knocks out one talented young Czech, Jonas Forjacek, in round number one. He's got another talented one in round two in Yuri Laheka. Yeah, Laheka looked really, really good in a 6-1, 6-4 victory over third-seeded Antoine Huang of France. You've also in the draw tomorrow got Mario Vila Martinez taking on Pedro Cachin, Nicolas Kicker taking on Alexandre Muller, and then Guido Andrazi taking on Otto Vertanen, the wild card out of Finland. So that's your action there. And then finally, in Nur Sultan, no number one seed. He pulls out of the event. Number two seed, Sergei Stakovsky, already knocked off by former TCU standout Nick Chappell. Your number four seed, Hugo Grenier, still alive. Your number three seed, Jay Clark, already knocked out. So Top three seeds all knocked out of this event. You look elsewhere up and down the draw. Kubler, you know, Chapel, Kuznetsov, Peter Polanski, Malik Jaziri, Jesper Jajong. It, it's an interesting draw in Kazakhstan. And again, fuels the 24-7 tennis jet. But that's your action for ATP challengers and, of course, the Olympics looming as well. Still a super, super fun time to be a tennis fan with all this action. But, of course, it's really hard to follow it all. And that's where we come in here at Cracked Rackets. If you have missed out on anything, you can catch up on all the content on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shout Pod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout-out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Also, of course, like, rate, subscribe, review. The Great Shot Podcast, where you can hear from David Kane, Jeff Sackman, Gary Nathan, David Gertler, Damian Kust, Jakob Bobro, and so many more. Cracked Interviews Podcast, Tennessee Doubles Champions, Pat, uh, Pat Harper, Adam Walton, Florida Men's Singles and Team Champion, Sam Riffis as well. Fantastic content for all of you listeners to enjoy. But with all that said, for Super Producers Fligner and Westoff, for our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. 